a lot of pressure, a lot of talk. So now we are in the final Three, two, one, here we go. From the Play Normal Esports Studio, this is Pod BN, talking to people doing big things in Bloomington Normal. My name's Justin. And I'm Tyson. And we are sitting here today with Abby Sorrells, Rob Fazzini, and Eric Rankin, all running for countywide uh, seats uh, in the next upcoming election. We want to make sure we thank our sponsor first, Play Normal Esports, located at 802 South El Dorado Drive in Bloomington. They, they, you can go there, play all the video games you want. They have computers, PlayStations, Xboxes, Nintendo Switches, um, kids, adults of all kind. They have lock-ins, parties. Make sure to check them out at PlayNormalEsports.com. This is a little bit different episode here because we've got three people as opposed to our normal one. So you might hear the sound sound a little bit different. We got the mic set up differently, but uh, we'll go around first and have everyone just kind of introduce themselves um, and uh, you know give you give the audience an introduction to who you are and, and what you're running for and, and kind of what the the function of the office you're running for is too. I think would be interesting to people. Abby, do you want to go first? Oh sure. Uh, my name is Abby Sorrells, and I'm running for McLean County Coroner. And uh, a lot of people don't know what this office does, but uh, primarily they're responsible for uh, death investigations. Um, but most importantly for the coroner, they're kind of the mediator between the forensic pathologist who performs our autopsies and the families um, and working with law enforcement, EMS, and other uh, members of the community. And then making sure that families um, of the decedents have the appropriate resources that they need. Very good. Thanks, Abby. What about you, Rob? Rob Fazzini. I'm running for the position of McLean County Auditor. And on June 10th in 1911, that position was defined, uh, and it was supposed to be for two things. And one was to control the spending of the county and following the law. And the second one was to prevent fraud. I believe the first one is probably being done adequately, and I think the second one probably needs a whole lot of work. Very good. We'll touch on that later, too. What about you, Eric? Sure. Um, my name is Eric Rankin. I'm running for circuit clerk. Um, not to be confused with county clerk. Um, it has been a, a constant refrain that I've heard as we've been going door to door for a petition drive uh, recently. Um, the circuit clerk is the administrative arm of the court system. Um, and so big position, uh, lots of employees in the office, um, and you know, so obviously a pretty big budget. Uh, it is something that touches uh, a number of people here in the county um, and connects to virtually every other office uh, that exists within the county. Um, I'm running, uh, I've, I served on the McLean County Board for 10 years. Um, uh, oversight of the uh, Justice Committee. Uh, so I was the vice chair for eight of, well, not eight, not the full, but I was on the Justice Committee for eight of my 10 years. And I think I was the vice chair for four. So some of you guys have previous elected experience. Rob, you're on city council. Right? Yes, I represented Ward 8. Uh, and uh, I guess I could say I enjoyed the process. Okay. Uh, actually, I enjoyed the process and found it exhilarating to run for public office. And then I experienced the frustrations and, and the uh, gains of actually serving. Uh, they're, they're different. And frankly, there are two different skill sets uh, for running and for serving. And not everybody has both of those skill sets. Well, you think you want to get back into it again? 
I certainly look forward to the exhilaration of running for office, and I think this time they'll be exhilarating to serve also because this is an office that needs changing, uh, radical changing. And followers don't change, leaders change. Mm -hmm. And I think I've proved over my 30 years in Bloomington Normal and, and a variety of leadership roles, including on the city council, but also being president of the Chamber of Commerce, president of the History Museum, treasurer of the Centralia Girl Scouts, and on. Uh, leadership is fun, and I, I almost always followed four C's. Uh, you need to learn your community whether your community is the ward or the state or a company, and, and you, you have to have a curiosity so that when you're looking at an issue, you're looking at all sides of it. Uh, you follow that with confidence to make decisions once you've gathered your data. But the fourth C is the important one. If you're a leader, you need to make changes when they're necessary, and this office is in dire need of changes. This office, you're, the office you're running for has had a lot of controversy over the last three months. Uh, can you touch on that? What, what's been, what um, inspired you to run? Was it part of that controversy? Because uh, it seems like your announcement came kind of after all that hit the newspaper, at least. Actually, it wasn't uh, the controversy that did it. It was six weeks of uh, breakfasts and lunches with uh, the county chair. Uh, who was persistent and is now running for another office. Uh, but it, it really was, you know, this is an opportunity to make a change for the county where it could be an ongoing change. Uh, Illinois is in not good financial shape, and part of the reason is we have over 7,000 units of government. Texas, which is twice our size, has about 5,500. California, which is three times our size, has only 4,500. We have too many units of government, and you can't change everything at once, but if we could take one office, the auditor office, that is not a policy-making office, and change that to an appointed position, we could go from 7,000 to 6,999 and start a trend. <laughs> so I mean, that's, that was more of why. Uh, and the other one is this office is wasting money. Uh, it's going to have a salary of $100,324 next year. And the County Board Finance Committee, who are charged with overseeing this particular office, voted 4-1 to one to reduce that to $75,000. And that was a good decision. Unfortunately, the full board didn't agree, and they left the salary at that level. And part of why I want to run is we want to stop wasting government. And donating $25,000 to a local charity or several local charities is one way to do that because you can't not take the salary, but you can give it back. Hmm. And I think that is something that I'm, I'm not, I think, I will do. So that would be one of your goals would be to actually eliminate that office as an elected position? Is that what you said? Alter it. Uh, Alter the it. Okay. problem in 2000 when they voted to either have that an elected office or not is I think they used the word, let's eliminate the auditor office. <coughs> okay. You definitely do not want to eliminate the auditor office. Gotcha. As a bank president, and I won't hog all the time here, but I want to get this across. As a bank president, I'm in charge of making sure the bank makes money and ensuring that all the employees, and I had 126 of them in McLean and Livingston County, that I understood enough about each employee to make sure that those people had an opportunity to achieve the goals that they wanted in the bank. 
and to let them have opportunities. I was also responsible for making sure that as we were bringing money in, that it wasn't going out the back door somehow so that we didn't look at auditors, federal examiners, and state examiners as adversaries. I always looked at those people as they're trying to make sure that I can achieve my goals and keep my job. Because if we had, like in Dixon, Illinois, a major defalcation, uh, that wouldn't reflect well on me as the person in charge, as the president. So auditors are absolutely necessary, and, and the role ought to be embraced. You want to help the auditors do the job that the auditors are supposed to do. So I've seen it in several decades as a bank president, and I embraced the role. I've also had experience on the other side, and we can talk about that later. Abby, what about you? What's inspired you to run? Um, well, I considered running back in 2016. Um, I've always wanted to be a coroner since I was in college. I actually quit nursing initially um, because I thought I had to have a different background to be a coroner. Um, and then I talked to another friend who was a nurse and he's like, no, no, get your experience, get your medical knowledge, go back, you know, stay in the nursing program and, um, you know, just get as much experience as you can and, and then you can run. So I, I went back into the nursing program, and um, I've kind of spent my nursing career trying to get as much experience as I can in different areas. Um, I've worked from birth through end-of-life care and hospice and um, critical care, emergency nursing, um, and my love has just always been co helping families cope with those like really hard times. I know that some people don't do well. Uh, with that, with families, but that's always just been something I've been good at. I'm just good with people. I'm good with reading people, reading what their needs are. Um, so in 2000, like late 2015, early 2016, I had people approach me from the community to run, and I said, absolutely no way. Like I, the political thing definitely kept me from getting involved in 2016. Uh, and so, uh, my husband and I have talked over the last few years about me becoming coroner and running at some point. Um, I'm finishing my master's this summer in nursing, and so it was kind of a good time uh, when the current coroner announced that she was going to run for another term. I People reached out to me again and said, please tell us you're actually going to run this time. And uh, I called Eric because he, uh, I just knew he taught political science at ISU. I didn't know. He was a friend of mine. I didn't know that he was so involved in local politics. And uh, so that's how I really got the courage to run because that was what I was most afraid of was just the political aspect of running for office. Um, so my husband and I had a five-minute conversation because it was something we always knew I was going to do. He said, I, I didn't know it was going to be this soon, but I knew it was coming. So, you know, if this is really what you want, let's do it. And so I called Eric the next day and said, let's go. <laughs> uh, I, I got to say, the, the, the two positions that always come to my mind that I think are so strange that are elected are coroner and sheriff. The, mm -hmm. Those are the two where it just seems like they're, uh, like we don't elect the head of the, Bloom, like the chief of the Bloomington police, so why do we elect the sheriff? And the same way with coroner, it seems like that would just be like an administrative position within the city. I, as a citizen, don't know that I have opinions on the performance of the coroner and what I would look for in a good coroner to represent me, you know? Um, do any, any of you guys have any idea on how that came about? <clears throat> well, I can give you some uh, 
the coroner is not a constitutionally mandated office. Sheriff is. So every county must have a sheriff. So mm-hmm. the, that at least takes it out of each county's hands that they, they couldn't do anything else. Um, the, two, the two offices that are not constitutionally mandated are coroner and auditor. Okay. Um, there are only, if, if I can remember, there are only 16 auditors, 17, uh, 17 yeah. uh, in the entire state. Uh, the vast majority of counties don't have auditors. Um, Cook County, <clears throat> excuse me, Cook County is the only county that doesn't have a coroner. They have a medical examiner. Um, we've talked about it in you know before um, in McLean County uh, for just that exact reason. It seems silly um, to anybody. I think that pays it pays the, the smallest amount of attention to politics to say why would a coroner need to be a partisan elected official? What does that office have to do with partisan politics? And honestly, I think you can say that for all three of the offices that we're running for, whether it's administering a court system, whether that is dealing with the financials of the county, whether that is dealing uh, with, with the families of loved ones who've had a very tr- you know, tragic uh, you know, event in their life. These are not partisan positions. However, these are partisan elections, and that's probably about the only time you're going to hear any of the three of us. Um, and I, I think you'll find that even during the elections, we're not going to be very partisan because that's not what these positions entail. Very different from county boards. So that's it's interesting because I, I was at Rob's announcement um, for auditor, and some of the t- 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 talking points that you mentioned were smaller government reducing costs. And these, I'm like, am I watching Fox News or am I watching a Democrat run for run for yeah. election? Um, so go into that a little bit more, Rob. Why, why are some of your talking points and explain what those are more historically given to the Republicans, and yet you're running as a Democrat? Uh, good question. And let me finish the conversation here we had about why should they be elected. Uh, One elected position is a township assessor. Mm -hmm. And you'd think that really shouldn't be political. Uh, One of the quirks about it, because when I was on the city council, I was to help the transition to get the township assessor uh, position uh, running. And you have to live in McLean County for one year before you can even run for that office which sort of says, wow, how can you make sure you have qualified candidates? Because who wants to move here and live here for a year with the chance that they'll be able to run and then maybe win? That's a good point. Uh, yeah. That doesn't work real well. So that's another one like, wow, I'm not too sure the uh, township assessor ought to be a position that you have to be elected to, especially when you have to have the residency issue. Mm-hmm. But yes, uh, I, I grew up in a union. My dad was a union steel worker. I grew up in a Democratic household. Uh, I eventually became a banker and moved up into a, a bank presidency level uh, and became a much more conservative financial person. And I was a Republican for many years because of that. Uh, a Democrat growing up, a Republican in my business world, and but I've never voted a straight ticket in either one. So I think I've been an independent my whole life, but I've just had the <laughs> attachment to being a Democrat growing up and being a Republican during my business career. I, I, I wanted to do what a libertarian would want when you actually look at it. I want smaller government. Mm-hmm. And I want waste out of government. Well, this was the opportunity to do both things. You can have smaller government uh, by getting it converted and having it 
appointed. And when one of the persons on my campaign team said, yeah, but you lose the independence of the auditor. And I need to be able to argue with you on this point. And I said, great. I'd love people on my campaign team to argue with me. Yeah. Uh, but if you appoint a position, you can have a job description and you can do the interviews and you can make sure the person that is hired actually has the credentials to do the job. Mm -hmm. We said earlier, there are two different skill sets, one getting elected and one serving. Uh, Nelson Mandela, after he won his election, said all we've proved so far is we can win an election. We have not proved we can govern. Mm -hmm. Just because you get elected doesn't mean you're going to be good to do the job. I think if it's appointed, you have a much better chance of having somebody qualified to do the job well. And if I'm the county administrator, I want somebody who is an auditor who's actually working for me, right. not arguing with me and not doing the things that I know need to be done to prevent fraud and to do things uh, properly. So, Okay. Eric, give you your shot. You're running for circuit clerk. Why? Why are you running? Yeah. I mean, so this this was a, a position that stood out to me. I first got really interested in it in 2008. Um, so, you know, whenever I've said that to people, they're like, why would it be interesting to you in 2008? So that's the year that I decided to run for county board. Uh, I primaried a, a sitting Democrat in my county board district, um, was able to defeat him and then ran. Same year, obviously, the Barack Obama's at the top of the ticket, which was a good year for Democrats. Um, the local Democratic Party at the time, not the most organized uh, system in the world. Uh, we had very few Democrats that were actually on the ballot to even take advantage of this. Um, there were only two Democrats that that won that were that hadn't that hadn't been uh, in office prior uh, in that cycle, uh, which you saw just even in two thousand and eight, we were more successful. And this was in one of the best. That was a, that was a year that the McLean County went blue. I won my seat, and uh, Lori Woolrab won hers. On the ballot the same year was a good friend of mine, Brian Plath. He ran for circuit clerk. Um, Brian didn't have much name recognition. Uh, Brian did a good job raising funds. Um, he ran against an individual, um, you know, my opponent in this upcoming election, who is who is who has been in that office for 12 years with no opponent after 2008. So one of the problems that I ended up having is that I don't believe that anybody should have a free pass. This office interested me just because I learned a lot about it when Brian ran for office, um, and. In my, in my master's program uh, at Illinois State University, my primary area was American government and public law. Uh, so I've always been fascinated with the court system. I've done research on the court system, uh, co-edited and written four books. Uh, two of them have been on constitutional law, um, one on state and local government, which we wrote fairly extensively about uh, the circuit clerk and what the role of the circuit clerk is to each, uh, each county. Um, and so at the end of the day, I was like, we were sitting down kind of brainstorming about people to run for offices. And, and I was looking at the office and I looked at the qualifications of the office, which really, what does the office do? And I'm like, okay, so this is a person who's an administrator. This is a person who has experience with law. This is a person that should understand the budget and know how the office actually works. And it, it was funny as I sat there, it's like literally this little light bulb went on and went, oh my God, this is me. 
Um, I'm an administrator. I've been an administrator for 20 years at Illinois State University. So yes, I teach, but my primary job is that I'm an administrative professional. That's what my title is at ISU. I'm the assistant to the department chair. So working with budgets, uh, creating schedules, uh, dealing with HR issues. Um, these are things that that, that, that office does as well. Um, so everything that the circuit clerk really engages in are the same things that I have done in my career, the entire time of my professional career. So I was really fascinated fascinated with the office and it took me five seconds to go back into research that I had and issues that I brought up when I was a member of county board sitting on that committee. There were things that really frustrated me. Um, I have long since, and it was actually a running joke for a while, um, the feelings that I had about county government and its lack of embracing modern technology. Um, its website is very difficult to navigate. It is very poor for the end user. It is not uh, very accessible uh, for a mobile-friendly uh, community. Um, the Most of the documentation that the county has, uh, so their civil side, criminal side, juvenile, um, but on civil, they, they started e-filing, so electronic filing uh, in 2018. Criminal and civil prior to 2018, all of the information from all of these court cases is still kept in paper. It's paper. It's, it's now 2019, soon to be 2020, and we're still on a paper-based system. That absolutely blows my mind. And so Rob talked about it too. It was one of the things when I was on county board, and I'm trying to say, hey, listen, we need to convert to a digital environment because this saves us money. This is safer for our constituents because it, you know, God forbid there's a fire or a flood, which has actually happened, both has happened um, at the county um, <coughs> office. What do you do with if you lose that paper? You lose all of that information. So we need to begin a process of updating that office. It needs to be more user-friendly. Um, a lot of people that interface with the, the court system do so, and this is some of the worst day of their life, whether it's their divorce, whether it was a DUI, um, and they need to be able to go to a counter and receive information um, from a person in a timely manner with a big smile on their face, um, and that office is, is, has been woefully lagging behind for the entire 12 years that my opponent has been uh, that has been in that office and all of us realize that democracy requires choice and Republicans in this town almost never have an opponent uh, and so that was another thing that certainly inspired me is that I think that everybody on the ballot should have someone run against them so Eric you touched on some of the things that you think your opponents um not done well mm -hmm. and reasons why you want to run. Abby, talking about your opponent, um, the current coroner, um, what are some things that you think you could improve on uh, the job that she's done? Um, some of the things I would like to see differently in that office, um, first and foremost, uh, there was a 100% turnover of the full-time staff in a six-month period there. Um, and I think consistency with staffing in that office is very important. Um, just because you're you're highly qualified in something very specific uh, and investigations and a medical aspect. Uh, so it's not easy to find someone who can meet those qualifications. What kind of staff does a coroner have? 
Um, so uh, for this year, there were three full-time deputy coroners, um, and that's somebody who works under the coroner. And the pastor's been a chief deputy coroner, which is like the assistant coroner, basically. It's their right-hand man. Mm-hmm. Um, I do know that for 2020, that position is slated back into um, the budget. So it'll be one chief deputy coroner and then two deputy coroners that are full-time. And then there is a countless number of people who work part-time and kind of uh, as needed, uh, depending on how busy the office is. Um, But I know there's been a a huge influx of people coming in and out in that aspect as well. Um, So the biggest thing I think is just having um, an appropriately trained staff uh, and trying to decrease that turnover. Um, And I have talked to people who have worked in the office before, and uh, a lot of it is just work environment um, and just trying to have a cohesive team and uh, building everybody up uh, and not uh, being threatened by having a team that knows how to do everything in the office. Um, And I think that uh, the salary and pay for the staff, too, um, you know, the coroner's pay has substantially increased over the last few years she's been in office. Um, and like the chief def- deputy coroner, uh, for example, their salary for next year is actually less than the salary for that same exact position 10 years ago. So, uh, and it's a salaried position. So if that person works, you know, 80 hours that week, that's all the pay they're getting. Um, so that's the, the big thing I would like to see is just some staff consistency. And I think the biggest way is just to have uh, properly trained staff and pay them well. Um, and then the other thing is um, having appropriately trained staff um, because I, I know that currently there's not uh, a lot of medical knowledge outside of the current coroner. Um, so the full-time staff there does not have a, a medical background at all. Um, and I think that's very important working in that office. I mean, uh, we have a, a forensic pathologist who does the autopsies, but it is very important for people on staff to understand what these medical terms mean, how this medical diagnosis can affect the patient or this medication can affect the patient. And I think it's important for all of the staff to know that um, because you're working with family, you need to be able to relay you know, medical terminology and terms that the pathologist gives you to the family. And if you give it to them exactly how the pathologist tells you, the family's gonna have no idea what you're talking about. Um, so I, I think a more medically trained staff too is another big thing that we need to see in that office. Okay. Rob, what about you? What are some things that your opponents, um, and, and you, you have someone in the office that's running, and then you also have a, someone that's running against them in the primary, and then you also have a libertarian. So I think you have the most opponents in this race, but specific to the one that's that's in office right now, uh, what are some things you'd like to see did, uh, done differently? Well, to begin with, uh, a visit to each of the other 16 counties that have an auditor, would be an appropriate way to improve what is happening in the office here. And I'll give you a specific example. When I was on the city council, I visited Springfield, Champaign, Urbana, Peoria, East Peoria, and Decatur. And in each case, I went to a full meeting and beforehand I either visited the mayor or the city manager or after the meeting. And I shared things that we were doing that maybe was better than them and then I learned what they were doing. And I brought things back. Two things we brought back. One of them is the motor fuel tax. We, after three months of arguing and by a one-person margin vote, we implemented a four-cent tax for uh, gasoline, and and our gasoline prices didn't go up. I knew they wouldn't. 
Uh, I had been traveling to Champaign-Urbana for years because our head office was there and their prices were like ours and they had it. So we ended up uh, increasing our revenue by almost $2 million and our citizens didn't feel the effect of it. Uh, one third of the money spent on gasoline in our community comes from people who don't live in our community to start with. Uh, mm -hmm. Those are statistics we used. We also found out that we could do a $10 million bond to do one of the things that our citizens wanted most. They wanted our pensions to be balanced out properly and they wanted our streets fixed, in the opposite order actually. Uh, I managed to do a $10 million bond at 1.99% fixed for 10 years. And it took three months to get that passed and it passed by one vote. Uh, but those are practical things that I learned by going to six other places. Anybody who's the president or leader of a company, if all you ever do is concentrate on what happens in your company, you're not doing your job. You need to get out and find out where people do things better than what you do. So that's the first thing I would do. I would spend probably the first eight months every other week going to the county auditor in one of the other 16 places uh, over whatever period of time, over lunch or coffee. Uh, I think an auditor needs to be mature. Uh, and you don't get your job done better because you make everybody angry at you. That's not the goal of the auditor, to be on opposite sides. Uh, you want people to share with you. Uh, you don't want them hiding things and making your job more difficult. And by having confrontation and saying things like the treasurer isn't competent in her job, uh, doesn't get you where you want to go. So I think maturity is one of the things that, uh, if you remember back in 1984, Ronald Reagan said about Waller Mondale, I will not for political purposes use my opponent's youth and inexperience against him. Well, uh, that is accurate. Please so. don't use my youth and inexperience against me. So I was actually born in 1984. So, uh, so we'll take a quick break here uh, so I can read up on some history. And uh, we will be right back with Abby Sorrells, Rob Fazzini, and Eric Rankin, countywide candidates. We want to take a quick break to thank our sponsors at BRE Law for sponsoring this episode. BRE Law is there for you when you are injured or need legal help because they know when it comes to your claim, good isn't good enough. You deserve the best. To find out more about BRE Law and how they can help you, visit breinjurylaw.com. We are back with Abby Sorrells, Rob Fazzini, and Eric Rankin, all running as Democrats for countywide races in the upcoming election. Eric, I want to start with you. You're in a unique position where you are the uh, chair of the McLean County Democrats, and you're running for a countywide race. Um, so not only do you have to worry about your campaign and getting on the ballot and you know winning, but you're also concerned with every other Democrat running in the county and helping them win. How do you balance those two things out? Yeah, that's a great question. And... That balancing act for me will only really go through the primary. Um, I, I announced uh, the other day to uh, 
uh, the party that I would not be seeking a second term as chair of the party. Uh, I feel really comfortable in making that decision. Uh, this party has grown exponentially. Uh, we now have the single largest, you know, uh, headquarters in the state. We have, you know, we're tripling the amount of money that our counterparts have in our bank accounts. Um, we've done an incredible job. Um, the most Democrats on a ballot in the history of McLean County. We've got so many people that could then step in and, and do the same job, uh, hopefully even better than what it is that I did. That way, as soon as the primary is complete, I get to focus on running for office. Um, I am very much a we can't serve two masters, um, and uh, I don't think that I can do as good of a job. One of those two things will suffer. Either my campaign would suffer or being chair would suffer. Um, and so since the, since the bench is deep uh, in our party, which is fantastic, as we're seeing you know, Democrats come out of the woodwork uh, to run for office, I think that uh, the party's in great hands going forward, whomever it is that we decide to pick. And, and Rob mentioned that a big reason that he's running is because of conversations with you. Mm -hmm. How much involvement did you personally have as chair of getting all of the, this record-breaking number of Democrats to run? So I, I would say just about every one of them. Yeah. Um, some of them required uh, more parties to be brought in to help convince. Um, Abby was really easy, right? She was just like, yep, I'm in. Uh, <laughs> uh, I had to just convince Abby that I even knew what I was talking about. Uh, we work, you know, we work out together at CrossFit Bloomington Normal and we're, you know, we, we, we were friends through uh, through there. Um, and she, I don't really talk politics when I'm working out. Yeah. Um, so it was a great, I, and one of the things that's really cool, um, the people that are running for office, we like genuinely like each other too. I mean, this isn't, uh, this isn't a whole bunch of people um, that are just out for themselves. We recognize in McLean County that it, it is very much a rising tide lifts all ships. Um, we know that since there, you know, when Brian Plath ran in 2008 for the office that I'm running for, he ran by himself. In the last election, when Nikita ran, she ran by herself. So it was one Democrat that was trying to do all the work countywide. Now there are three. Add into that eight county board candidates, and hopefully we'll be able to slate uh, maybe um, candidates in one and ten and have a full slate of county board candidates. Um, that means that we get to run coordinated campaigns. That means we get to work together. We get to pool our resources, our um, our workforces. Uh, this is this is the election to run um, in McLean County, specifically if you're a Democrat. So put on, put your chair hat on for yep. just a second. What what's a victory for you after the 2020 <clears throat> election? How what what are we seeing from the Democratic Party that would make you sure. leaving leaving as chair going? Look what I just did. So my dream. So the Democratic Party. Party has never controlled the county board. Um, and, and let's be honest, again, these offices that, that the three of us are running for, these are really non-policy-making offices. That, that's not what we do. We, we follow policy. Um, it's dictated to us either by the county board or by state law. Um, so it's so not a lot we can do. You're actually recruiting some of your potential bosses <laughs> yeah, right. as you're Absolutely. recruiting county board candidates. Absolutely. And so for me... A 10-10 tie would be pretty awesome. Um, that would make a very interesting <laughs> sort of a, 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 a 
an aftermath. Um, the good news with that is, is that, I mean, we have, uh, I think the Democrats can, um, can win in County Board 4. We showed we did that last election cycle uh, with Logan Smith. I think the Democrats can win in County Board District 5 and knock off the, the chair of the, Re- of the Republicans uh, on the County Board and John McIntyre um, with Rachel Lund because Lizzie was able to do the same thing in the previous election and, and Rachel is very much just like Lizzie. And Val Lehman running in County Board District 7 against Jacob Beard. Uh, Sharon Chung was able to win in that district as well. So we've already shown in a non-presidential year that Democrats can win in these uh, county board seats. I think that we can – I think, and, and I will never say very easily, but I think at least the trend line shows that with the right candidate and the right amount of work, it can be done. Nobody is safe. So, Abby, you haven't run for office before. Um, so does uh, – how does this feel coming in? You know, Rob and Eric have, have been through this. Um, how are you feeling right now? Uh, I'm having a great time, actually. <laughs> I'm a people person. Uh, I always tell people uh, when I was getting my, my petition signed, I'm not a politician. I'm just a people person. And I just can easily relate. I have a, I have a very diverse background and... Um, I went through a lot in my childhood that exposed me to things that I think have carried over into my adulthood and being able to just relate to, to anyone. And I think that's where I've, I don't know, I just, I, I just come out to have fun and meet people. And I think that's really part of the experience. Like Eric said, this isn't a, really a partisan seat. I mean, it, we're not making any policy or um, we're just following guidelines that have been set forth for us. And so that's helped me. Um, get a lot of, you know, bipartisan signatures. I have a ton of hardcore Republicans who have signed my petition because they know who I am. They know my values and what I stand for. And, um, and it's exciting to, to be open to that because I was definitely afraid, uh, because I do have a lot of friends who are straight ticket voters and I was afraid to even ask them to sign my petition. And, uh, once I got through a few of them and they were like, absolutely, I, I definitely opened up a lot more with that. So you mentioned being hesitant three years ago. Does, does the, the growth that Eric talked about, is that something that makes you feel more confident now that you have you know, support and you've got these, these two guys to run with? And- I do. Um, and I just met Rob through, na- like through running now. Um, I think Eric just gave me the confidence because politics are, like I said, they're just not my thing. Uh, I I am a voter and I, I follow things, and um, but I've never wanted to be involved in politics at all just because it just, you really put yourself out there. And it's really weird going to places and people just walking up to me and saying like, oh, hey, you're Abby and you're running for corner and I'm so excited and I'm voting for you. And I'm just like, this is so strange because I'm not used to people just, I mean, in Hayworth, people know who I am. It's a small town. We all know each other, but to be at a grocery store, be walking around in normal and someone to walk up to you, it's like, it's really awkward (laughs) for me because I'm not used to that. I mean, I'll share. That's one of the reasons I'm really, um, I, I'm hesitant to run for office. It's just all the nasty things that people are going to say about you online. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the Midwest, so probably not to your face, probably just behind your <laughs> it, back That online. is exactly how it um, happens. But, you know, it's, that's a tough thing to do to, to go from being a private citizen to a public in that way where people recognize you and, and see you. Um, so, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, you is doing this the first time. 
This I, is I, the I first time. Any, I respect yeah. anybody who's willing to put themselves out there. Like you that. learn not to read social media comments. <laughs> yeah. I don't ever do that. Yeah. And then um, I, I have three kids and, you know, sometimes they come home upset because someone gets mad at them and I always tell them, you know, did you do what was right? Do you, are you happy with the person you were? And if somebody doesn't like that, that's fine. Because at the end of the day, not everybody's going to like you and that's okay. I don't expect everyone to like me. But if I did the best I could and I stood true to myself, you know, if they don't like you, then, you know, that's their yeah. loss. Well, yeah. I, think, I think the three of us are also proving something very clear is that people have this mistaken notion, even locally, about what a Democrat is. Um, they, they, they watch MSNBC, Fox News, CNN, and, and they see this nationalized version uh, of who we are. Um, and that's not us, right? We're, we're a group of people that are, that are standing in front of others saying, listen, we want to do what's best for the citizens of McLean County. I hate to tell you, but I really couldn't care less about Washington, D.C. Um, the three of us are running for positions in McLean County. And really, the truth is very little of what happens in Washington, D.C. actually affects what's happening here in McLean County and getting voters. You know, when they think, oh, Democrats want to go out and spend money all over the place. And then you have Democrats that are standing up going, hey, listen, when I was on the McLean County board, I took go back. I, I challenge people go back and look at almost every vote that I ever took while I was on the county board. Some of the most fiscally responsible decisions that anybody's ever going to, you know, be able to pull out. Why? Because as a steward of the taxpayer dollar, we think that we should do a good job. That's not a. It's not an issue that's owned by a party. That's an issue that's owned by a person who's responsible. Um, and I think that I just want people to know. Hopefully, people that are listening to this podcast realize that. Um, being a good steward of the taxpayer dollar is something that actually both parties do a very good job of, specifically locally. Um, we just passed on the county board, just passed uh, you know the budget, uh, held the line, and there's a lot of Democrats on that board. Um, they were a part of that process as well. So not to put you on the spot, Eric, yeah. but, but define a McLean County Democrat. For me. Yeah. I think it's easy to define what a Democrat is when you're talking about national sure. politics, but define what a McLean County Democrat is. Yeah, so McLean County is, you know, we're, we're no different than, you, you look downstate, and yeah, we trend uh, over, you know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to look at numbers and see that we've trended red. Um, so most of our voters tend to be a little bit more conservative. But where we find them to be conservative is, is that just about everybody, this is a uh, kitchen table sort of a, of a town. People care about taxes. They care about gas prices. They care about infrastructure. They care about things, their health care. They care about things that the vast majority of people care about. Um, so those things tend to get kind of lumped into that conservative sort of a, a conservative basket. Um, and it's not. I mean, the Democrats are worried about the exact same things. Um, and so McLean County Democrats, I think that I will say the one, the one part where I'm actually going to contradict myself, I don't think that our party is actually any different than the national party right now. We're talking primary, so a lot of the loudest voices are your progressives, are people that are a little bit farther to the left on the spectrum. Um, but the average rank and file, and I use that word very happily, yeah. um, the average rank and file voter in the Democratic Party is actually, I mean, just this morning on uh, Meet the Press, Chuck Todd was showing this, is that the vast majority of Democrats are moderate, uh, 
um, or lean slightly left or are conservative. Um, this is something that I think the, the Democratic Party here in this town, we've seen our, our growth hasn't just been people on the far left. Sure, there's been some of those, but it's been people, you know, like a Rob Fazzini um, that have come in. Uh, you know, even people in my own party have accused me, ah, oh, Rankin, he's too, he's too moderate of a Democrat, right? I should be some sort of, you know, far left-leaning liberal. Um, and there are times where I'm pretty socially liberal, and then there are times where I'm pretty fiscally conservative. Um, every time that I talk to a person in this county, I find that the vast majority of people are just that way. They're socially liberal, typically, and they're fiscally conservative. Mm-hmm. That's me. It's been me my entire life. It's been me my entire career. And that's why I think personally I've been successful. Um, born and raised in this community 42 years of my life, you know, and just like Abby, um, I'll have Republicans that will work on my campaign. I'll have Republicans that are going to vote for me. Hell, my mother is a Republican. Um, and, you know, it took me a while to get her to, to, to say, Mom, could you vote for anybody other than me? Um, but, uh, you know, my mom, uh, she, she sees um, the benefit in, in having alternate voices that are out there. Rob, you have any thoughts over the stuff we've been talking about? Yeah. I, I went back to what I said earlier. I grew up in a Democratic Union household, and my wife is a Democratic precinct captain and has been for years, and we considered ours a mixed marriage because I'm voting on a Republican side, and she's way more active on the Democratic side. Uh, but it, it's like Eric said. She is socially progressive, and I like to be that way, too. I'm just a little more conservative on the financial side just because I was a banker. It's just natural. Mm -hmm. But if all of you have read Team of Rivals, and I imagine you have, mm -hmm. uh, my first campaign uh, as a city council person had as many Republicans on it as it did Democrats. Mm -hmm. And this time, it's going to be a pretty even split. Um, we went around our own neighborhood. There were 28 houses. Most of them were home. And we had two people who were Republicans not sign my petition and only three Democrats out of the 28 and everyone else signed. Mm -hmm. So it, you're voting for a person. You're not voting for a party, okay? And I think the fact that I'm looking at taking a position and donating part of the money back because it is not earned <coughs> says something for all the Democrats. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm running as a Democrat on purpose, and that's who we are as Democrats. We want to be fiscally conservative, and we want to reduce the size of government. You know, but, I, I, you don't need to be a party to want those two things. They're both good things. <laughs> and I'd say, though, make no mistake about it, there are more Democrats in this county than there are Republicans. It's just that the party apparatus hasn't ever been organized enough to get people to say, yeah, I feel comfortable with that. And that's what's changed. I mean, you go to the Labor Day parade, you go to, uh, you know, Memorial Day events, you go, you're seeing people would, I saw a kid walking in downtown Bloomington the other day and had himself a Dem t-shirt on. I had no idea who he was. That made my heart so full, like you wouldn't believe. Um, having people say really positive things about seeing this awesome location in downtown Bloomington. Yeah. Um, we have, we have really expanded that footprint. The Democratic Party has been and always will be a big tent party. We are going to be a party where it doesn't matter what your sexual orientation is. It doesn't matter what your gender is. It doesn't matter what your proclivities are towards, you know, uh, fiscal issues. We're a party that we can find things that unite us together. I think that we agree with the, this, the shared humanity. Um, Democrats are a party of, I think we're the high-minded party. I think we're going to sit down. Hey, I'm not going to agree with you, but guess what? 
Let's have a conversation about it. Let's be adults rather than yelling at people and calling them names. Take a look at, I mean, you don't need me to, to prove it. Go look at the McLean County GOP Facebook page. The preponderance of what you see on there is negative. Almost nothing that you see on ours is negative. When you listen to, you know, over the course of the last few months, when you listen to Connie Beard give interviews, her interviews are almost inherently negative talking about Democrats. And I almost never talk about Republicans. Why? Because I'm not the chair of the Republican Party. I was the chair of the Democratic Party. And if you can't say good thing about your candidates, then I think that there tends to be a problem. I think the Dems, that we're in a place where we're pretty darn happy with the people we have and we're ready to we're ready to go to battle coming up here in 2020. So how do you guys, uh, all, question for all three of you, and we'll let Abby go first. How do you take that message that you guys all just kind of uh, grouped in there and take it out to some of the rural areas within the county that are historically the red areas of the county, the Republican areas that probably do vote straight down Republican most of the time. I think you could. I don't think I'm, I'm letting anything out of the bag. You're gonna have a lot easier time in Bloomington Normal than you are in Hayworth or Downs or Ellsworth or, or those kind of communities. So how do you take that message that listen, this is the type of Democrat I am, and take it out to some of those rural communities? Uh, so I live in a rural community. I live in Hayworth, um, and my community has been. I, I will. I guess I'll leave Hayworth out because I live there, so I feel like it doesn't necessarily um, pertain to me. But um, I, I did go to a rural uh, breakfast recently, and um, I plan on having some public endorsements in the future from this rural fire community. <coughs> I think that um, what it comes down to is that people are so ready for a change that your party affiliation does not matter. The person is what matters to them. So uh, I've had a really good response in the rural communities uh, just based on um, the things that I stand for. Uh, I'm pretty well known in the EMS and police and, you know, healthcare community and people talk. And I know people have asked about me because a lot of people come to me and say, hey, this person was asking about you. And, you know, I think that my character speaks for itself, my professional career, the choices that I've made to get me where I'm at today, um, how I treat people. I just think all of those things have have made it easy for me. Um, and then I think uh, being a veteran, too, definitely has opened the door uh, for a lot of the rural communities. Um, and like the veterans, the older veterans, they they love talking to me and. I don't know. I just haven't really struggled in the rural communities very much. Do you, do you talk a lot about when you're knocking on doors in some of those communities that I'm running as a Democrat, or do you just say I'm running as I'm running for coroner and these are the things? This is why I'm running for coroner. I do say that I'm running as a Democrat because I want to be very open uh, and honest with them. I don't want them to think that I'm like hiding mm -hmm. how I'm running. Um, and it says it right there on my petition, too, that I'm running as a Democrat. So you, you can't really hide it. And I, I always have my blue on. And, on. Yeah. Uh, so, but you yeah. Haven't, you I, haven't got that negative feedback from that out there. I mean, I can't say that everyone has welcomed me with open arms. There's been a few people who have, you know, and it was a fiscal thing. They're like, oh, you're going to blow through all this money. But I'm kind of like Eric, where I'm like very socially liberal and I'm pretty conservative financially. So, uh, you know, I would consider myself to be a much more conservative Democrat than, than some people might be. Um, but then in some aspects, I'm, I'm fairly liberal. So um, I think there's going to be some people. And, and, you know, when he made those comments and he was clearly like very angry with me, I just said, okay, we'll have a great day. Like I'm, that's somebody I'm not going to change their mind. Like he, 
that's his belief and, and there's nothing I'm going to do but anger him more if I try <laughs> to convince him otherwise. So you just thank them for their time and move along. Rob, what about you? Uh, how do you take your message out there of uh, being, uh, I think as you described yourself, more of a moderate Democrat and let them know that it's okay to vote D? Uh, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, but it starts with, I was president of the bank, Busey Bank in Hayworth, uh, in addition to Bloomington Normal. I was president of the bank in Leroy, in addition to Bloomington Normal. So those communities, I went to events. I mean, they, they know me uh, already. So... Yeah, we have good friends in Lexington. I, I do intend to have in my campaign as many invitations to speak to Kiwanis, Rotary, and every other lunch service club in these small communities as possible, and as many times as possible, all three of us. Uh, if we can make it, that that's fine. And I think uh, both uh, Eric and Abby, when people talk about spendthrift and not being conservative, they had a point and say, we have three of us running, and one of them is actually giving part of the salary back, for goodness sake, and trying to change it to a nonpartisan position to make the government smaller. So, you know, don't talk to me about that. Uh, let's talk about me, uh, you, you, I think uh, is, is what the message is. So, yeah. Yeah, so um, I don't live in Hayworth. <laughs> I've never run a bank. Um, but I've been an educator for most of my life. Um, and I've educated a lot of those students that have come from those rural communities. Um, and they have found, uh, even my Republican students that have taken class with me, um, they've said, yeah, Rankin's actually a pretty good guy. Um, I, I grew up and went to Unit 5. Uh, I went to school with people that live in Tawanda and, and Lexington and Downs. Um, you know, all of those areas. And so being able to have, uh, you know, being born and raised here and having my family all here, um, my name is not, you know, my name is not unknown to a lot of people out there. Um, but make no mistake about it. I mean, the three of us, I think the, the unifying theme is we've got to be a presence. Um, we can't just show up every four years and say, hey, we remember you, you got some votes, give some to us and then never show up to them again. Um, all of the, the, each of the three of us, the rural community interfaces with our office. Um, you know, people in the rural area are going to go through the court system. People in the rural area are going to have loved ones that are going to, you know, that are going to pass away. Um, they're going to certainly be affected by, by issues, uh, you know, of, of how the county spends its money. Um, so we're going to have to be out there. We're going to, we're going to make, you know, you're, you're going to have to tailor your message a little bit too. Um, talking to a Bloomington normal voter is, and actually even this day and age, talking to a Bloomington voter is different than talking to a normal voter is different than talking to a county voter. Um, we have to be able to speak to people where they're at. And even if you don't agree with me, but maybe you can walk out of that conversation going, well, you know, while I don't agree with the person, I think he seemed like a really nice guy. And so they don't say anything negative about you. They don't go out on their Facebook page and say, hey, this terrible person came to my door and, you know, asked for a vote. Um, they say something really positive about it. We want to elevate the game. We're not, we're not getting down in the muck. This isn't, this isn't anything. I think the three of us, you're going to see a very highbrow campaign from the Democratic Party. Something I hear, want to hear you guys talk is... Um it kind of speaks to something that I've heard before that I found a lot of truth in, that 
it's been phrased as liberals start companies and conservatives run them. <laughs> like liberals tend to have more of that innovative, like open outside of the box thinking just from a psychological perspective when they do studies on people who de- identify as liberal. There's more of this innovation and entrepreneurial spirit to them. Um, but there's less of like conscientiousness of like, you know, running, running things in a responsible way. That tends to be more what the conservatives lend themselves to. It's like, once you have the business, once you have the bank made, then, okay, you want someone who's really reliable to, you know, to, to work on it. And, um, so what I hear from you guys is a, each of you wanting to innovate in the positions that you're running for. I think that distinguishes you as, um, it makes sense that you're liberals because you're not saying I want to you know, keep this ship, the ship is right and I want to keep it steering the direction it is. You're like, I, I have an idea of how this can be different and this is inspiring me to want to come and like, you know, say my, my message and bring change about to this organization. So, um, so I think that, that, that makes sense to me. Um, let's see what else, uh, what else can we talk about here? What, what is the, like, you guys are gathering petitions right now, right? That's the big thing. Just finish. Turn it in tomorrow. Okay. So then the next stage of the game, you're going to be out, uh, knocking doors all winter. Is that the plan? That would be a, probably a fairly poor use of all of our time. Yeah. (laughs) Um, you know, we're going to go, um, this is where you go into going out to community organizations, uh, setting your team, um, doing all of your research uh, and getting prepped for this coming fall. Beauty part for the three of us is that, you know, knock on wood, and if some, unless somebody's going to pull a pretty big sneak attack on us, um, we're not going to have primary opponents. We're, we're going out and we're, um, we're set for really to have the big kickoff in August. And from about the middle of August, uh, well, really at the end of the Democratic um, National Camp, uh, the convention, uh, so I think it's the last week of July, from that point, it's all hands on deck uh, for the rest of August, uh, uh, August through uh, Election Day. And, and we're going to have, I mean, the, the ballot in November is, is fascinating. Um, top of the ballot is going to be the fair tax amendments. You'll have president and vice president. You'll have uh, Dick Durbin's office will be up. Uh, McLean County's got two. Um, so you've got Mark Hassas running in Illinois 18. Um, you have uh, Betsy Dirksen Lonergan in one of the most important toss-up races uh, in the country, um, as well as Kimberly Cummings, uh, Carla Bailey uh, Smith. Um, I mean, and then t- and then tons of Democrats running on the county level. Democrats and citizens, and so that's why I want to say not just Democrats, citizens of McLean County are going to walk into that general election uh, voting booth and go, oh my God, right? It just used to be that you'd walk in and there's just one name on there. Oh, so I can vote for Dan Brady again, right? Now you've got a choice of whether, do you want Dan Brady? Do you want Eric Rank and Rob Fazzini, Abby Sorrells? Um, we know the answer is clearly yes. It's interesting to me because it's something my dad said to me a lot. He's like, I just hate it when I go in and there's only one choice. <laughs> yeah. It's like it doesn't. It's even, not a choice. He's like, I don't even vote for those. It's a coordinated choice. It seems like just something like, oh, someone should be able to fill out a piece of paper real quick and turn their name in. Like at least put someone's name on there. Sure. But then when you think about the reality of what it is to run for one of these offices and the sacrifice it takes out of your personal time, yeah. and the financial commitments, yeah. the strain on your family, your work, you know that kind of stuff. It's there's a lot more than just um, oh, I wish that there was a someone with a D next to their name running for this. Position. Well, my, Michael Moore is a brilliant strategist, actually. Uh, His thought was, 
you need in every state to have something on the ballot that's going to draw people to come and vote. Totally. So it's not like, oh, I only have one name, so I'm going to go vote that one name. It's There's only one name. I'm not even going to bother. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, he wants things on the ballot like yep. the amendment <coughs> that will draw people in and make sure they get to the polls. Sure. And then it's up to us yep. to make sure that when they go to the polls, that they've they met are. us and they want to vote for us. So I, I think yeah. that is critical. Sure, certainly. We, we have things on the ballot, and Illinois is going to have things on the ballot. Now, I, I happen to not care for the way we elect the president of the United States with not using the popular vote and, and using the electoral college, because that makes all but seven states irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Illinois is one of the irrelevant states, and it bothers me that my vote doesn't count. Mm-hmm. Okay, it does bother me a lot. But you got to make energy some yeah, other way. Yeah, you do something else. But as Eric said earlier, for the average citizen, voting for your local elected officials is going to be what determines your gasoline tax, your property tax, your sales tax, all, all of everything that affects you financially doesn't come from the president of the United yeah. States. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. comes from your city councils and your county board. So, you know, let's. And, and when people say, well, what's the county board doing? Why do I care? Well, you know, figure what your taxes are. That's why you care. So, Well, and, and I'll, th- I'll throw in on that. One of the things I think that all of us should be concerned about is making sure that this is a, this is a respectful um, and a civic-minded opportunity. Um, unfortunately, you know, I mean, here's poor Abby in her very first election already having to talk about people saying negative things on, on online. Um, I think every person needs to, that, especially that listens to this, really needs to search within themselves and find out, is this the best use of your time? Is tearing down somebody that you maybe do or do not agree with, is that the best use of your time? Now, I realize I'm preaching to the choir, um, and I know that that's not going to change, but I think that social media in some respects, while it's a necessary evil, has we've seen the death of civility. And, and that is a this is absolutely a problem for local governments all the way up through federal governments, is that we've just got to treat each other with more respect. If we don't treat each other with more respect, then then nobody's going to run for these positions because everybody knows that, gosh, if you put your name on a ballot, people are going to start saying terrible things. And yeah. my, my kids are going to come home crying. And you don't even have to put your name on the ballot. Right. I mean, yeah. Or be on a planning commission or I've, something I've like that. I've had my name written before. I just want to hop in and say the poor Abby thing. Yeah. I know you were just using yeah. me as, a, well, as an example. Yeah. But... Uh, I definitely, like I said, I don't read anything on social media, sure. and I also think that if somebody posts something negative about me, they have clearly never interacted with me. Without a doubt. Because I think that if anybody has ever truly interacted with me at all, would I really don't think anyone could ever find something negative to say about me because I'm just... <laughs> I'm a positive person. I'm always smiling. I'm a super cool energy. Like, I hate tooting my own horn, but like... You're a you politician. Just, get used to it. You right? just can't. You, there's no way that you know me to post anything negative about me. Right. The, the people that live for things like that shows a lot more about their character than exactly. it does speak about. It does. So. Exactly. And it's, you know, and while I, yeah, I said poor Abby, it's poor Eric, <laughs> poor Rob. I mean, I, I have for, for years, I had a death threat when I was on the county board. Um, 
I'm on the county board. <laughs> what is wrong with people? Why would you say things of that nature? Um, and I think that we need to have big, you know, big serious exchanges of ideas, but always be respectful of one another. I guarantee you that the three of us are going to be respectful of our opponents. Yeah. That's one of the things when we were starting this podcast that I thought long and hard about is like, do I want to put my thoughts and ideas and um, out into the world in this way sure. where it can be, you know, criticized or used against me later. And, um, but you have to be, if there's something you feel like you need to say, you need to be bold and say it. And then the consequences be what they are. And, yep. and like you guys said, if someone's just going to spend their all time, not doing anything for themselves, but just criticizing other people, then, you know, that's, that's more about them than you. So. Yep. <laughs> yeah. We, we have throughout the community, a lot of people who earn a considerable amount of money, more than any of us are going to earn in these offices mm -hmm. who run companies. And we all made decisions and we had conflict and depending on our management styles, but after we made a decision, we implemented it and the whole public didn't know it and half of the public wasn't angry with us and the other half happy with us. Sure. That was the biggest difference between being a bank president <laughs> who got to make final decisions yeah. and then being in the public eye and finding out that half of the people that I don't like and interact with didn't like that decision. Mm -hmm. I ended up having every meeting I would publish all the things that I had done the past month in, in the community, maybe 30 things, places that I've been, and every vote that I took. And I would put down my logic for voting whichever way mm -hmm. I went. Then, if somebody wanted to disagree with me, I was happy to go to coffee with them. I just didn't want them out there saying, you voted against us. Why? Yeah. Here were my reasons. We don't, we have, the three of us have, we have two jobs. Who are we? And what does the office even do? Because, you know, so it, it's, it's a big education piece. I mean, I joked when we started off by saying, you know, I'm, uh, I'm running for the other clerk position. I mean, well, even, yeah. even the simple titles is confusing to people. Yeah. They don't know what a corner does unless they, they think they've watched CSI and they think that, they're okay, I know what a corner is. Um, that's not, right? Or an auditor. Right? What is an auditor? Um, these are things that are confusing to people. So we've got to educate voters as well. I will admit that when I saw you announce for a split second, I did think it was county clerk. Yeah. And the idea of you running against Kathy Michael, I was like, oh, man, that's going to be a bloodbath. <laughs> no other race is going to get any media coverage. It's just going to be that. Yeah. This is going to be tremendous. And it will not be that way for certain. I'm sure this one will be exciting, too. Yes. Um, <laughs> but not nearly like that. But yeah. yeah. All right. Well, we're, uh, we, we did a solid hour here. So um, to wrap up here, is there anything that you guys want to say, like, for closing thoughts? Uh, go, go around. Where to find more information about you? Yep. Uh, Abby, go ahead. Yeah, so I'm on Facebook. You can find me at Abby Sorrells from McLean County Coroner. And then I'm also on Instagram and Twitter, Abby Sorrells for Coroner. Um, and then I also have a website that is abbysorrellsforcoroner.com. Um, and I just uh, look forward to reaching out and meeting everybody in the community. And if you um, ever want to reach out to me, I'm always available. Um, I answer messages pretty quickly on Facebook if you contact me through my campaign page. And uh, I, I'm excited for this upcoming year. There you go. I'm trying to catch up with Abby on the social media as soon as I have somebody on that. I'll you get back a, to you. Get a millennial. Find a millennial somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe my grandson can help, you know, get down to that level. Uh, I do want to mention last night I was at the uh, annual holiday party for Henson Disposal and Recycling. 
I'd been four years with that company as a business consultant, uh, and there's one of the hidden gems in our community that is moving us along with the Ecology Action Center and Michael Brown. So if you want to know of somebody in this community who is unsung and gets a lot done for the community, Michael Brown is that guy uh, with the Ecology Action Center. I serve in some committees in Champaign-Urbana on behalf of Henson, and they think of the Ecology Action Center in McLean County as the gold standard for recycling and green. I mean, in the entire 102 counties, we are recognized as the best. Uh, and it's good to be involved with, uh, with Henson Disposal, who is a major engine for that, and to see those. And we did find out uh, Friday that Henson Disposal will be one of the five nominees for the Small Business of the Year Award by the Chamber of Commerce. So it may not be unsung for so much longer. <laughs> so um, if, if someone wants to find out more about you, where could they go? Do you have a website yet, or are you still getting that stuff? Started? I'm still getting that together. Okay. I, I do. I am on uh, Facebook. I just don't use it yet. Okay. So, but it's there. Right. Uh, uh, so, and Eric. Yep. So you can interface with me at ericrankin.com. Um, uh, that'll have that's the landing page right now. That'll take you off to all the other social media sites. Uh, Eric Rankin from McLean County Circuit Clerk. Um, rolls right off the top, doesn't okay, it? Okay, cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, you can grab information from me anywhere. All right. And, and I'll, I'll jump in just because we, we talked about that briefly beforehand. Uh, the circuit clerk's office does interface with the public defender's office um, quite often. The public defender, um, Carla Barnes, is an incredible human if you've ever had the opportunity to meet Carla Barnes. Uh, but she takes donations um, for uh, professional clothes. Uh, Shane has talked about this before in the past, and I'd and I just like to reiterate that as well for, uh, for individuals who are going through the, the um, public defender's office to be able to have professional clothes to be able to go to court. Okay. Um, I am going great. through my closet this weekend, awesome. and I, I actually remembered Shane mentioning awesome. that, and I was like, mm-hmm. i got to throw a bunch of that stuff out. Abby, you had one more thing you wanted to mention too, didn't you? Yeah, I know we were kind of talking about like the unsung heroes of the community. Um, one of the things that the programs that I would like to kind of mention is the Labyrinth program at YWCA. Um, they're a super awesome program. They're always looking for volunteers. Um, they run kind of a re-entry program for women in McLean County who have been previously incarcerated. And they have mentorships and things like that um, to help them get acclimated and um, with career choices or to further their education. So I think that's just a really awesome opportunity that, you know, they're always looking for good volunteers for. So and Let me mention while we're talking about that, uh, I mentioned hits and disposal. This company hires almost entirely people who've been previously incarcerated. Oh. That's one of the contributions it makes, and it's one of the things that made Tim Gleason so happy when he visited and came out to see us. Uh, and it was a, a critical part of the application for a small business of the year. We had one of our employees, a full page. It was really a heartfelt email of how much it meant to his life. So that's Hanson Disposal or the College yeah. Action Center? Uh, Hanson Disposal. Okay. Yeah. Well, you guys did it without my prompting. You mentioned uh, some other people doing big things in Bloomington Normal, so we'll go ahead and put that in the show notes so people can have links to those type of things too. Um, and I think that's it for uh, for you guys here. So thanks a lot for coming to stop by to chat with us, and best of luck keeping your energy up on the campaign trail. Won't be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> thanks a lot. Thank you. 
So Justin, I just happened to glance over and notice that you are uh, you're taking life on the edge and you do not have a case on your iPhone right now. So. No, I don't think I need a case because if anything ever happens to it, I know a guy. Yeah, who's that guy? <laughs> Normal gadgets. Normal yeah. gadgets. Is that a, is that um, what do they do there? I haven't heard of them before. The crack screen, broken iPhone, batteries, laptops iPads, they can do it all. Take it to normal gadgets. All right. Well, don't you get bored uh, hanging out there while they're they're fixing that? Is there anything to do there? Not at all. There's plenty of video games I can play on the computers, PlayStations, Xboxes. Always something to do. I play normal esports. All right. Hey, can you just drop your kids off and let them play? You can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what if you get into some kind of like legal trouble on your way to or fro to or, to or from that situation? Who would you reach out to first? Of course, I'd reach out to BRE Law. <laughs> well, thank you to uh, and we're costing the professionals. We've been doing this for a year we know what we're doing um so thank you to play normal esports normal gadgets and dre law for being our sponsor and uh are we done let's be done we're good